Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Hi, I'm Rebecca Lowe, host of NBC's coverage of the Premier League. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Plus, be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. So Bournemouth going to a no-doubt wounded Liverpool at Anfield for our first game this morning. Kyle, a week ago we sat here building up to Liverpool's trip to Watford, which of course we know they ultimately lost by three goals to nil. How differently do you feel this morning about this Liverpool team compared to this time last Saturday? Um, I I tend to be allergic to knee-jerk reactions, but let me just throw one out and say I feel a lot different about them. Um, They're going to go on and win the title. They, They are one of the more remarkable teams we've seen in the Premier League. But, you know... Being great and being remembered are two different things. And, and, and this Liverpool team had a chance to go and, and do something only a few teams have done. And compared to the 99 treble team that was still in play until they lost in the FA Cup, the, the Invincibles and the undefeated run, you know, I, I just don't think they will be remembered. And I, I use Manchester City as an example. That Manchester City side was one of the best we've ever seen. And they won't be remembered like the Invincibles and like that United treble team uh, were remembered. So, yeah, it has changed for me a little bit. Has it changed for you, Robbie? Not for me, Rebecca. So, on the record, no need for Merle on, on this unusual. one. Unusual. Very unusual. <laughs> and basically, they've lost two games in the last 67 in the Premier League, Rebecca. So, I'm not going to go overboard. And I'm just thinking, OK, you went back to last week. I'm going to move forward a week. They could be nine points away from the title and in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. That's not bad. Now, if you'd have asked any... Liverpool fan, before the, the season kicked off, with 10 games to go, you need 12 points to win your first title in 30 years. They'd absolutely lap it up. Without a doubt, and I think that's definitely without question. No one can argue that. Mm-hmm. However, let me just take you back to the game against Chelsea Tuesday night. He did yeah. not field his strongest lineup no. in a bid to get through to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup to mm. try and win this treble. Do yeah. you think Klopp might regret that now with hindsight? No, I think he looks at the domestic cups in a different light. He's got players with injuries, as we've seen with the team sheet today. He didn't want it to unrest them. I think the Champions League and the Premier League, and that Premier League, that 30-year wait, is all that is for on. So I don't have a problem with him going slightly weaker in, in the midweek game. I mean, I don't think he regrets it, but he should. You know, listen, the Premier League's wrapped up. We, we, we have to forget that's not a, that's not a you know, we're, we're three points clear at the top. The, the, they're going to win the Premier League. So it's like when you know that, and let's just talk strategy, they've got a massive game against Atletico Madrid coming up. And, and now you only have a little time to rest because he's playing his starting team today with injuries. So it's like, why wouldn't you put your best team out in the FA Cup with a chance to stay in another competition to win a trophy and also rest your team today so that you're ready for the second leg against Atletico Madrid? So, I know it's a bit confusing to me, but I agree with Earl that he didn't show up to an FA Cup game as a coach one time, and his team didn't really show up, or his first team didn't show up against Chelsea. Robbie Earl, without Mm. doubt, they deserve credit, Liverpool, for bouncing back quite simply from two straight defeats. Do you think 
You expected more, though, from them today. We got the result expected, not the performance, Rebecca. It didn't look like a team that was sitting 25 points ahead, ahead of the rest. And today I thought we'd get the intensity, the, the fire, the, the fluidity, the passing, the we'll show you a good, a good, that we're a good team. We didn't get that. I talked about heavy metal football before the game. It was a bit more pop music today. They got the job done. They got the win. Three more wins now will guarantee them the title. But it didn't quite have the, the, the nature and the rhythm that I expected to come. Although I think Wednesday night against Atletico Madrid will take care of itself. I think the team will be up for it, the crowd will be up for it, and we'll see a different Liverpool. European nights under the lights at Anfield mm. certainly are different. They did show character, though, to, today to go a goal down. How do you assess um, Liverpool's performance? I agree there? with a lot of what, what Robbie said. I mean, here, here's the problem. is that There was a period, and a long period, where defensive issues were there. They were giving up chances, and they were sneaking out of games because on the other side of the field they were absolutely irresistible. Um, today they struggled to break Bournemouth down. And so I, I think the context of the Premier League is handling itself, another home win, another record. But Atletico Madrid, listen, the energy is going to be there. Mm. But, but all of a sudden, the, the sharpness, and Graham was talking about it, I mean, they've got to break down Atletico Madrid twice. That's not a team you break down very easily. So, you know, I, I know we're talking Premier League right now, back on track, back with a win. But you have to think that Jurgen Klopp's looking at his team's performance today and saying, it's got to be a lot better to beat Atletico Madrid. Gentlemen, interesting that Graham, before the game, talked about he expected a win, but he was really interested in the nature of the result and how they played. Both Kyle and Robbie here felt that they just wanted a bit more in terms of that side of things today. What did you feel? Thoughts? No, I agree with both of them, absolutely. You, you sort of expect that, that real buzz and the energy. We spoke in the commentary about the connectivity of the team. There's such a great flow to Liverpool in possession and defensively that just that understanding of each other and, and that wasn't there today in, as we've seen it in the past and they're definitely having a moment they're having a bit of a dip dip in confidence I think Adrian doesn't fill anyone with confidence mm. if he performs like like that and it must be difficult for a goalkeeper coming in in these circumstances but you want that reliability so that you don't have that distraction you can just get on with your game do what you know you've been doing all season and perform and they're a little bit disjointed today against a very tough Bournemouth side, I have to add. Does it show the, the strength in depth of the Premier League? Oh, it's fantastic, isn't it? For Watford, who are struggling at the bottom of the league to go and beat you know, the, the, the champions-elect 3-0 last week. For Bournemouth, who are struggling, you think their confidence would be low, but they came and gave everything. They were relatively positive in the way they played and really took the game to Liverpool in that counter-attacking style and caused Liverpool a lot of problems. So it's a wonderful advert, I think, for, for, for the Premier League and the quality throughout the, the urgency and desperation for teams to pick up points. OK, Graham, thank you very much indeed. Rebecca, we've got a real drive now, haven't we? All 40 minutes of it to Manchester for the derby tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. First of all, James, I've got to ask you about that goal-saving clearance. Yeah, I mean, it was a good run from Fraser, I think it was. And it was one of those where it's whether you hold the line or go with him. And he's timed it well. Um, I presume he's onside. Had he stood up well and made him loop it a bit more than he probably would have liked and just managed to get there, really. But, um, yeah, it was important at the time. And I think it's something that we can look at, giving too many chances away. But um, we know we can improve. But I think the boys showed great um, attitude again today. And Kite's come back, especially after a couple of iffy results. And, and going one down, it was important. Jürgen, congratulations. That's a big result. What did you make of the performance? Good. Very, very, it was a very good performance, but a very difficult start, obviously. The situation, well, really, 
situations that they really don't help like the first goal. Obviously, it's uh, from my point of view a 100% foul, nothing else. Um, but it shows the, the problem with VR as well because it's the ref doesn't see it. I'm 100% Mike Dean was next to me and he was like, have a look, have a look. So you want to read it, you need to have a look. And then the VR says it's not clear and obvious because you can maybe say in England the arm like this is still allowed. I don't know how that's possible. Um, yeah. But then we had to. We wanted to fight back before the game, so then we had to fight really back. Did that, put on, the, put them under pressure. Um, did a lot of good stuff. Had really good situations. Scored wonderful goals. Um, played really good football. But of course, always with the, the second ball fights were again uh, um, quite tricky. Uh, tried to adapt to that then in the second half, of course, with um, the change with Verge, but yeah, the opponent can adapt as well then. And uh, but we did it better second half. Um, but the set pieces were still there, yeah. and that's always that's always it's a big strength of Bournemouth. And um, so we had to be one of us in concentrated we were, and so we deserved the three points. That's all I wanted. Just to be clear, Jurgen Klopp there said the referee didn't see the incident. We have spoken to the PGMOL and they have confirmed to us that the on-field referee, Paul Tierney, did see the incident and deemed it not sufficient to award a foul. And the VAR checked and were happy that there was no clear and obvious error. So that's why the goal stood. Kyle, going forward into the Champions League this week, how does Klopp approach Wednesday? Because it's going to be so full of emotion, not least because, of course, they went out of the FA Cup and other than the Premier League, which they've already virtually won, it's the last remaining one they can win. They want to go back to back. Um, it, it's it's going to be hard because you want to harness the energy and the excitement that will be there on the night, that will come from the crowd, that they're going to need to fuel them forward. But you have to be so careful not to let it cause moments of not having balance or not having discipline because an away goal, especially up 1-0 already in the leg, Atletico Madrid could be devastating and create a really difficult challenge. Now, man, have they come back from incredible Champions League deficits before at home. So he's just got to use that energy in the right way. See, I think the energy is important. I think Liverpool are better. When, when it's crazy, when it's intense, when it's mad, that's when Liverpool are at the best. Today was one of those days where I couldn't quite work out with the crowd quiet because the players weren't particularly playing well, or was it the other way around with the players not getting anything off the crowd? I just think Jurgen Klopp will be looking forward to Wednesday. It'd be a great game for him not to have to say too much. Remember the scenes in Atletico Madrid. Remember Diego Simeone. And this is a cup competition they would love to hang on to. Kyle, at halftime, neither of you felt Tottenham had done themselves justice. Now you've seen that second half. Do you feel a bit better about them? Yeah, improvement. Second half was better. Um, I think substitutions, tactical change, moved Dyer a little bit further forward. Lo Celso ran the game a little bit, up the intensity. I still didn't create a lot of clear goal-scoring opportunities, but I think at least they were up for the challenge. You know, I mean, Burnley continued to throw a lot at them. They started to win more duels. They started to at least show up for the competition. So, yeah, an improvement. During the week, Jose Mourinho, Robbie, said, I don't need a big overhaul of my squad. I need yeah. Kane to come back. I need Son to come back. I just need a couple of players this summer. Do you mm. think, well, first of all, do you believe him? <laughs> no, uh, Jose Mourinho has to trust these players, Rebecca, to, to get the best out of them. Defensively, again, gave up a, a, another goal for, from uh, set-piece situation, uh, error in set-piece situations of causing problems. This, they were better. Change of system, change of personnel, change of attitude was much better in the second half. He'll expect that they should start games like that. The worry for this Spurs team is that they, they could finish this season with 68 points. Last season, they finished fourth with 71. To get that Champions League spot, and it's going to be a real tight race for it, 
they're going to have to hope teams above them do particularly poorly and that Manchester City have that ban in the Europa League and it gets to fifth spot because at the moment fourth might be just out of their hands. Well, Jose, if we start at half-time, we saw what you changed, but just tell us why and what difference it made. Uh, I think, obviously, the quality and the dynamic of Lucas and, uh, and Lo Celso, they made, um, they made a difference. And uh, I, don't, I, I want to say, but I cannot say. Uh, we had something in the first half that we, we didn't have in the second half. So in the second half, we, we improved a lot. But don't ask me to tell more because I cannot do it. I'm going to have a little go because I'm guessing from that you, don't, you think it wasn't formation or fatigue or anything like that. You, you felt maybe a bit of character, a bit of heart was missing first half? No. I think uh, fatigue, fatigue... Um, Lucas had and Loselso had and Bergwin had and Dele Alli had and uh, they gave what you what you saw. Um, don't ask me much more than this. I was expecting players not tired to give more to the team, and I think uh, some of uh, somebody has to realize that uh, this is a Premier League. I think this is probably a new experience. And the first time he comes to Berlin, and um, I hope that next season it can be uh, fantastic because uh, until now is not enough. So you're not talking about Skip. You're talking about obviously the other player you substituted. Let's move on. Uh, Skip is a kid. Uh, did a fantastic 120 minutes. I needed to protect Wings. Uh, Wings was another one that was in his uh, limits and. Uh, we managed to have Skip fresh for uh, the Tuesday match, and Skip is a kid in uh, in evolution, and uh, I never want to, to to criticize a kid like him. Wow, mm. Jose Mourinho coming out saying he doesn't want to talk about it, and then basically saying that the club record signing Tongi Ondombele was taken off because, quote, in the first half we didn't have something that in the second half we did. Skip's just a kid. That's not about Skip. It's about Ndombele. What do you make of that? Uh, I honestly have chills. Um, this is not a new tactic. It's a pretty dangerous tactic. We saw it when he was at Manchester United where he would say these ambiguous comments that we would be able to use deductive reasoning to find out exactly who he's talking about, and everyone could. And so um, why he would decide to send a message, something happened in that, in that locker room, something's been going on. It's been an up-and-down uh, short career for, for him at Spurs, so he's, he's basically taken a shot at his record signing, and we all know it. I mean, this was different. This wasn't him sort of leaving it out there, letting us work it out. He was telling us that Ndombele doesn't look like he's up for a game at Turf Moor. And this is the old Jose Marina. Forget the happy one and all those things now. This is old Jose throwing players under the butch bus when he doesn't like and when he doesn't want them. You said, does he, does he trust these players or will he have these players? Some of those will be gone. He's finding that out between now and the end of the season. We've got the old Jose off the pitch, but we've not got the Jose Mourinho team on the pitch yet. Well, to, to, to pin the first half on Ndombele is a bit unfair. I mean, there were a lot of players that weren't up for it in the first half. Good man management or bad man management? I mean, time will tell. I, this didn't work at Manchester United. And, and 
you know, old management for me, not modern-day managers. Modern-day managers don't do that. Pep Guardiola has not been happy with players. Jurgen Klopp has not been happy with players. He doesn't come out and say things like that. Uh, I want to know what Daniel Levy thinks of this. Club record signing. So they had a penalty, and it doesn't sound like you've got really any issue with that. But might you have had a penalty? Yeah, I think the game's got to be careful. I've been speaking about it all season. Not many people want to listen, but people falling all over the place. And today we saw it with Gomez. Gomez gets a push in the back. I guarantee if he flails his arms out, goes rolling around the floor, it's given. Because he tries to do the right thing, it's not given. And Bournemouth get a goal from it. Similar thing today. Chris Wood's trying to bring it on his chest and he's trying to turn in the box. The lad comes through the back of him. It's a definite penalty. Not given. Now, if he falls on the floor, flying his hands around on his face or whatever they do, he probably gets it. I think the game's in a really... It's got to be careful, I think. I really do. I think the game's got to be careful at the minute. And the powers of being to look at what's going on because you can't not get a decision because you're trying to play the game correctly. I don't think you could do that. That's, that's wrong. Obviously, we all know that. Um, so they've got to look at that. And I think today was a good example of that. Chris Wood fouled in the box. Definite foul. If that's anywhere else on the pitch, it's given us a foul. And yet, it's not in the box today. So what do you say to Chris Wood then? Do you say next time you're fouled, Chris, it was a foul, throw your arms up in the air and you, you, no. you win the game? No, no, no. I'd say, Woody, just keep playing. I'm not going to get involved in all that. It's not for me. Um, clever play is different. I've always made that clear. Clever play has been around forever. Centerfall gets touched in the box, goes down, that's been around forever. It's not clever anymore. It's just blatant. But no one wants to know, so we and you can chat afterwards about it. We, we tend to, myself. don't we? Yeah, I can bore myself stupid about it. Interesting there. Robbie, I'll take mm. another little look. Do you think he's trying to do the right thing here and he should have had a penalty, Chris Wood? Well, Chris Wood does go down. You see him appealing to the referee. Arms off. <laughs> I'm not really sure what Sean Dutch said. I'll say, as I said over the highlights from Becker, often when you're playing, but when I was playing and before times then, sometimes that challenge on the halfway line is given as a foul and you get a free kick. Mm. That challenge in the box or on the edge of the box is not given because the referees just don't think it's quite enough. The ball is higher. And that's the way it's always been. And I know Sean Dyche will feel a little bit aggrieved that they, they gave a penalty and didn't get one, but that's just the way things are. What about his wider point there, Sean Dyche, that you shouldn't be punished for trying to do the right thing? There, Does he there, have a point? There are two points here, and he's conflating them. One is um, just because you don't hit the ground doesn't mean it's not a foul. Some players try to stay up and do the right thing, and, and it's still a foul, even though it, you're not playing to the referee to make it obvious. Totally separate point. Agree with him. That has nothing to do with VAR in this situation. I mean, that, that, they thought that, that that was a call for the center referee, that there wasn't enough video evidence to say he got that completely wrong and made a massive error. It was subjective, just didn't think there was enough contact for a foul. He hit the ground and put his arms up. So I, I, I think he's kind of confused his point a little bit. But they had a good day. Mm -hmm. They performed well against Spurs. We should have been talking about that. Indeed. They would certainly have settled for a point before the game started at Turf Moor this morning. That's for certain. The midfielder that you're not happy with... How does he get to the level that he needs to, that you need from him? I hope that he uses every minute uh, on the pitch and every minute um, knowing what the Premier League is uh, to improve. Uh, there, are, there are many fantastic players that in first seasons in, in new countries, for different reasons, they, they struggle. There are many, many, many examples of... Uh, of it. So he's a player with a great, uh, with a great talent, and uh, he has to know that he has to do much better, and he has to know that I cannot keep giving him opportunities to play, because the team is more important than the players, and the players they must they must be on on the pitch as consequence of of their work, as consequence of their performance. This is a this is a performance level.
performance-level football. Well, the midfielder that everyone's clearly talking about, but <laughs> nobody names, neither the interviewer or Mourinho is Tongi and Dombele, as you know. Until now, it is not enough, he says, and you have to play as a consequence of your work. Mm. And he has to say, he says, I don't <laughs> want him to feel like he's always going to play. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about those comments? It was interesting. The, the reporter went fishing and landed a real big one when he asked the question. And, and Jose Mourinho could have taken that a number of ways. And if we hadn't, if it had gone a different way, we wouldn't be talking about the situation now. We could have talked about made changes at half-time, my team were better, I changed my system, tactically I got things right, and I've had a, a conversation with Ndombele in his office right now and be telling him what he wants. But that wasn't Jose's way. He wanted to put it out there in the public domain. Now, Ndombele, I don't think he's particularly liked him from the start of, of his reign at, at Tottenham. I go back to when he first got the football club. This is what he said. He's injured, he's not injured. He plays one match, next week he's injured. That was at the start of Jose's reign. When you're on the dark side of Jose, you very rarely see the light again. And it's almost like we've got this carrot-and-stick type of management. It's an old style of management, Rebecca, that I don't think works with the modern-day player. And right now, Spurs have got Son injured out of the team, Kane injured out of the team, and, and Dombele insulted, not, I think, prepared to give anything to the team now. Jose Mourinho has got himself a problem. you agree? Yeah, I really agree. And I, I agree, and I think that um, it's just poor management from Jose Mourinho. And, and, and it's not new. Um, he's been challenging players for a long time. I mean, go, go all the way back. I mean, he, he took on, on players at Real Madrid, famous players that, that have big egos and gigantic checks. So, so this is nothing new. It's just it doesn't work like it used to. And it just it, – it's, it's out of tune. And to embarrass a player like that, and also to insult our intelligence like we don't know who he's talking about, he did the same thing when he was at Manchester United. He called out Martial and he called out Luke Shaw and called out Rashford. And the problem is a lot of these players performed better after he left. And so here, here's a record signing. Daniel Levy's sitting here saying, well, great. <laughs> now not only is this guy probably not going to play for you, but I'm going to have a tough time selling this guy. It's just the collateral damage around Jose's ego now. Um, misses the point because it's affecting so many things that he needs to inspire and improve and just blaming everyone else and calling people out publicly. Like you said, there's a, there's a time and a place for this. Yeah. It's in your office when no one's around, in front of a few people, not in front of all of us. We don't need to know that, really, do we? We don't need to know some of that, that detail that was going on. Those are private conversations. Some of the footage from last weekend's game against Wolves we've found with Ndombele and a lack of tracking back, which is obviously yeah. what Mourinho's not happy about. You mentioned the quote from earlier in the season... Yeah. It's obviously been brewing, this relationship, hasn't it, for a while? Yeah, listen, you, you see Ndombele there and, and he, he's jogging around. That, that's not good enough. But then I'd question Mourinho's management. He sees him every day in training. He works with him week in, week out. If he doesn't feel he's fit enough, get him with, with, with the fitness guys. He doesn't have to start him in games. I mean, Jose Mourinho's got to do his job and manage Tottenham Football Club. And the... Comments he made from Ndombele, I don't think put the club in any better position and the player certainly now feels out on the side. And here's the thing. This is the hardest job Jose Mourinho's ever had. He's never taken over a team that needs this much help, th mm. this much mm. to rebuild, to become relevant in a title race and win trophies. Um, and, and I want to see him make players better. I want to see him coach his way out of this situation. And we're not also talking about Oliver Skip, who dragged at halftime a young player that wasn't playing poorly. And I just think there's all these young players that say, well, if you're going to put someone out there and embarrass them, I mean, I've been training all week and trying to get in this side. It's just so many examples of, I'm just not sure the modern Jose Mourinho can handle the modern game. I, in fairness, I don't think there is a modern Jose Mourinho. I think he's gone back to time, Rebecca, 
He came in happy and cuddling ball boys and hugging people and smiling. That's gone. We've got back to the old Jose Mourinho, parking the bus on the pitch, throwing players under the bus off the pitch. So do you think it's a turning point in the management of Spurs? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Daniel Levy has to look at this right now and say a line's been drawn and... Now there's there's all sorts of pressure on Jose to get this right. Quickly. The dressing room is going to be totally affected by what happened yesterday. Yeah. Interesting. Time now, though, for the boot room this morning. And it made us think this week when we saw what happened with Eric Dyer in the FA Cup game. Before we talk about fan abuse um, that both these gentlemen have suffered over the years, but also that seems to be getting worse in the Premier League. Let's just bring you up to date with exactly what happened on Wednesday in case you haven't seen what really were rather concerning scenes. After Spurs went out of the FA Cup to Norwich on penalties, this footage emerged on social media of Eric Dyer going into the stands to try and confront a Spurs supporter. The fan, by the way, is the one that we've highlighted. He's in a black coat. There he is with an orange hood. He's actually trying to escape from Dyer's uh, following. He seems to have caught Dyer's attention. We're not exactly sure what happened. What we know is that Dyer's brother was in the crowd and the fan was throwing some abuse at Dyer. His brother kind of got in between and you can actually hear Dyer saying, he's my brother in this clip here. Listen up. Obviously trying to come in and defend his brother and defend his family. The Metropolitan Police, the Tottenham and the FA have all opened investigations into the situation. Um, Carl, let me start with you. How much sympathy do you have for Eric Dyer? A ton. Um, I haven't been... In the stands, I haven't seen it from from that angle, so it's it's hard to know from his brother's vantage point. But I know what it's like to be on the field. I know what it's like to have family members in the crowd hearing awful things said about you. And so, I understand his instinct is to go there for his brother, is to go protect his family. And sometimes, you know, there's a line. Sometimes it's more than you can handle. You you try your best as footballers to close it all out, but every now and then, you know, you hear something. Every now and then, you react. Um, you know, where, where, I'm, where I'm not with him, and, and I, I wonder if, if he had a chance to reflect and be honest about it, if he would regret going into the stand, you, can't, you just can't break that fourth wall. You know, as players, as much as you want to, and, and as much as we understand why he did, it, it's such a security risk, it's such a problem when a player jumps and, and goes into the stands, and fortunately that situation didn't get, get worse, and, and the fan who was yelling vitriolic, terrible things actually ran away. If he, if he turned and, and confronted Dyer, mm. now everyone in that area, it, it's just a situation that security's not really ready for because it's so rare, and that's where I'm just, that's where I'm not with them, and so it's, it, it's tough, it's conflicting. What's your take? I agree with Kyle. Um, I think you have a basis to instinct, Rebecca, to protect your family. And if you think something's happening, you, you go in there. Well, well I, I just pick up on, on what Kyle said is, it's sometimes as a professional footballer as well, and we know what you should do in NFL. Things are not good in your life, by the way. You have days when you're bad. You have issues at home. You have issues with your family. Things that I always say, it'd be great if you could almost have... A neon sign on, 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 on your back now and then, just to show the 50,000 people who are there that my kid's been really ill, or I've had a cold all week, or I've, got a, I've had a death in the family. Because they never know the circumstances. They just see your number, you playing, and they expect you to be at that same level. And, and we're human beings as well as footballers. And we don't know the circumstances with Eric Dyer. He's not particularly had a great time of his football of late. We don't know what other things are going on in his life. I think... I always say when I played, there was a safety catch that I used to put on that would stop me 
going over that line, when you're being abused, when you've had tough games, when you've had tough moments, there's something in you that stops you doing that. So tell, tell us about your experiences being abused by fans. What was it like? How often, etc.? Um, back in the day, Rebecca, it used to happen on, on a regular basis. How regular? Um, every game kind of basis that you'd be walking off. I remember a couple of games where I've been walking off the pitch and I've, I remember a guy running towards a tunnel and as I was getting to the tunnel, he was just shouting in vitriol and it was as close to the catch going off as I'd ever been. And, and I had to hold myself. And I remember going back into the dressing room and I was still shaking. I was that mad that somebody could be driven that much to be abusing a, a player who was, wasn't on their team. He knew not, absolutely nothing about, but his whole thing was to try and upset you and put you off your game. How hard has it been for you as a player, Kyle, at times? Um, you know, what Robbie just said... Um... Whew, I mean, I'm thinking back about some times where I was really struggling and, and no one really knew what was going on off the field. And, and in hindsight, I know now I was struggling with depression and these other things that, you know, being a footballer, you, you can shut things off. You can compartmentalize things. And so what's tough is when you're just trying to be strong for your teammates and, and go play the game and try to find the, the cathartic feel of being on the field and the joy of it. You know, when the, the nastiness of, and I used to take corners, and so I, I you know, forget away fans. Sometimes your, your your own supporters, you know, some of the stuff that be lobbed at you and the vitriol, and it's like, I get it. Fans want to go to a game, and sometimes it's a way to get rid of stress. Sometimes it's a way to escape for them, but to, just to bring nastiness there, and and to be there to harm others and, and yell these disgusting things, it's just abhorrent. And so, you know, I think of one time. I didn't have that control, and I turned around and, and said something to a fan and immediately just was so disappointed in myself um, because as hard as it is, you know, we, we do have to control ourselves out there. You know, it's a, it's a tough job. It's, it's high exposure. A lot of kids are watching us. If they, I, you know, if a, if a kid sees a bunch of fans doing things, my hope is that other fans shut that person down. I mean, that, that's really what we need. And it's hard because you don't want the bully to, to look on to you. But, but on the field, we do have a responsibility to the kids that are watching to, to, to not engage and, and, to not, and to not lower ourselves to that level as hard as it is. You talked about breaking the fourth wall and how rare that is. And it is. I mean, 25 years ago, Eric Cantona mm. launched himself mm. during a game yeah. for Manchester United against Crystal Palace. And here's the footage from 1995 into yeah. the stands after he was sent off by the referee. As he was going down the touchline, you're going to see it here, Robbie Earl, of course, yeah. he played at Selhurst Park yeah, on many no, occasions. Well, yeah. Matthew Simmons, a Crystal Palace supporter who is yeah. now, unfortunately, infamous for this, hurls a, a message of abuse allegedly regarding Eric Cantona's mother. He yeah. took offence to it, and you'll now see what happened. Do you... This is so rare, Robbie Earl, yeah. but do you think that from these days until now, do you think that fan abuse has got worse, that there is less of a line yeah. that that fans believe they have more right than ever, perhaps due to the, the social media yeah. openness, to do this kind of thing? Absolutely. Empowered by social media, Rebecca, we see the reaction of Cantonar to, to, to one individual there, the jump, the... the, the and he was I banned mean, for six months. He was banned for six months. I remember, couldn't wait to see this. I heard it on the radio, went home and saw the pictures. Do you know the first thing that came in my head, Rebecca, was, I've been there, Eric. That was the first thing I thought about. I've been, that, I've been close to something, maybe not the same action, but close to reacting in that same way myself. So it, it really hit home to me and, and it made me realise how we, we, we have to be careful. But to answer your question, yes, it has got worse. There used to be banter and jokes and that's a great part of football and we, we should never lose that. 
But it's gone to a level now where people believe, and I hate the term, you're a celebrity or you're a public figure. So it goes with the territory. So we can abuse you, we can criticise you, and do you know what? You've got to take it. Well, that's not right. And, and do you know what? When did we come to a position where it is OK to just stand and abuse people and not care about their mental health and their welfare? That, to me, is, is, a, is the point where we say we have to say, no, that's not acceptable, and we have to deal with the problem. It's amazing that we have these conversations about the trolls on social media, and there are people who say, well, just don't read it. It's not always that easy. But now it seems to be happening. I mean, Jesse Lingard, only this week after an FA Cup game, was getting back on the Manchester United coach, and he was on the end of some abuse being <laughs> hurled at him both allegedly yeah. racist as well, mm. but also just downright nasty abuse mm. within 10 feet of this man, who's a 27-year-old mm. who's out of form, and he's being, he's being hurled, this kind of abuse. If he reacts the wrong way, Rebecca, we were in all kinds and of problems And then it's Jesse Lingard's fault mm. if he reacts Absolutely. the wrong way, and it's very, a very difficult situation. How do we try and stop this, Kyle? Um, I, I think it, it's a collective effort to, to um, not try and ignore, which then ends up normalising, a minority of idiots. And that, that's what it is. This isn't a big group, but it's growing because they have this irreverence and this belief that this is okay. And, and, then, it, and then it becomes contagious. And I, I think we reverse it by doing the brave thing to when someone says something stupid, don't, don't join in and, 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 and don't sit passively there and allow idiots to, to affect what is a beautiful thing, which is people with all sorts of backgrounds diametrically opposed positions and, and different walks of life sitting there and enjoying this incredible game. And there's no place for, for this nastiness. And, and yeah, we didn't have to deal with social media that much when we were playing. Now players have nowhere to go, nowhere to escape it. So it, it's a real problem. Well, I appreciate both of you sharing your experiences with us. It's not fun and it's not easy. It wasn't easy for Eric Dyer. Unfortunately, he will be investigated, though, by the FA and by his club and by the Metropolitan Police as well. That was today's boot room. Half time, both of you were really disappointed mm. with Everton's first yeah. half performance. Did you see anything second half that Carlo Ancelotti can hang on to? Absolutely not. Um, I would suggest tomorrow there'll be a video session for a couple of hours. The manager will have learnt a lot today about his players and about this football club and why this club is not good enough at the moment to break into the top six. There's work to be done, Rebecca, because they went away from home today and never turned up absolutely didn't get tight to people, didn't close things down. Chelsea played particularly well and we'll give them the credit. But from Everton's point of view, that's a real rude awakening for Carlo Angelotti that there's still plenty of work to do. Kyle, Chelsea have been the driving spot now for a Champions League space all season long. It's getting to that point now. If they don't make it, the season is going to feel like a failure if they don't make top four, surely? Yeah, for sure, because they're good enough to do so. I mean, don't, don't forget they did what they did today and Everton... It's like someone slipped Ambien in their water bottles. I mean, they, they, they would sleptwalk through that entire match, but you still had to beat them with really clear, uh, well-organized, dynamic movement, great passing, great energy. And I just think this, this, this project's moving forward. And they are definitely favorites, not because of the points, to be in top four. But I look at the win against Spurs, even the win against Liverpool in the FA Cup, even though it wasn't mm -hmm. their first team, and today, as just markers that they keep setting, and it's going to be about keeping that level high. It was great as well, Rebecca. We've seen some youth into Chelsea Football Club. Over the years, while they've won trophies, the one thing they've never had is young kids. This kid, Billy Gilmore, is a player. Yeah. Man of the match, played full, full 90 minutes against Liverpool. Man of the match today in a 4-0 will against Everton. Yeah. He's one to watch. It was a lovely finish. Instinctive. Did it just fall right for you? Yeah, I read the goalkeeper, so you sort of give yourself half a chance because they're obviously rushing. 
and uh, you get there before Mendy so obviously it's such a beautiful feeling in front of our fans in like the last nine minutes so no can't get too carried away but we've got to keep going and, and obviously keep keep pushing for Champions League. If you've turned a corner of late with results how much does they feel like more than three points? Well, of course, it's a derby. The fans love it. The, the players love it. It's sometimes you can say it's only three points, but for for our players to to beat a team as Man City uh, with the uh, with the problems that we've had as well is fantastic. So I'm just delighted for them. Uh, we play against an absolute top top team, and of course, yeah, we had to defend and they had possession, but we're uh, delighted with the outcome. Perhaps in a strange place, this players, because you're a long way from first, you're also a long way from fourth as well, because you don't have that intense pressure in the league. Well, yeah, the reality is that the pressure is not... On the Premier League, we don't have much pressure, because we know that our position is probably not changing a lot, because we, we won't get to the title. I think we'll be, we'll be second to qualify to, to, to the Champions League. Uh, so yeah, maybe that's that's a thing. But as I said, it's a derby. It's an important game for our fans, and it's it's not acceptable to come here and to play the way we did and to lose to nil. Your goalkeeper have made three very uncharacteristic errors today. What do you put that down to? He played. So he saved one or two. So he's an exceptional goalkeeper. I don't think anybody would disagree with you. But do you think that was unlike him today? Those mistakes. You don't make a mistake. I don't make a mistake. I don't play. I'm not here to come to judge my players if they make mistakes or go to not make mistakes. It's part of the game. So uh, he will recover and, uh, and he's an exceptional goalkeeper. You spoke before the game. You said with all the games we have coming up right now, we have to rotate things. Does that have any effect on the performance at all? We play so good, I told you. We play good. So you, you don't think you could have played any better today? Yeah. Even when we win 5-0, we can play better. Yeah. In terms of the league itself as well, are you in a place where the, you can't make the intensity, it's not artificial because you're a long way behind first, but also a long way ahead of fourth place as well? We play a good game, so the, the, the schedule we know, so Liverpool is far away and we have to play the game for ourselves, for we, we thought about today and we did it. So we'll get to United in, in just a moment. Big win for them. But for City, am I fair in saying, Robbie, that that was a disappointing showing from them? And Pep, after the game, was, yeah. was a bit dismissive, too. The performance of the manager's press conference after the game mirrored the performance of his team. Mm. Didn't turn up. Um, they were flat in, in a derby, quite surprisingly. Um, they were outfought and outplayed, outthought with the first goal. We, we think of Pep as this bright mind who, who's so creative. Fernandez does, does the, the flick, uh, Martial gets in and they score. He had a back four of Concello Otamendi, Fernandinho and Zinchenko. Not good enough. Absolutely not good enough. And Manchester United knew that. Manchester United were, were so dominant, they allowed Manchester City to have the ball and then took the time to steal it off them and break in quick counter-attacks. Manchester City had less chance, more possession and less chances than Manchester United, who didn't have a lot of the ball, but had four or five great opportunities. Lack of focus? Is their mind on Champions League, all the other trophies that they could possibly win? That's inexcusable. Uh, they were outplayed. 
They were outplayed. I think tactically, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer set up his team so well. And um, this wasn't a smash-and-grab job. And I think we've seen Pep Guardiola not get the result he wants against Manchester United since he's been there, but, but at least they were dominant. Mm-hmm. Even in the game where they lost in the second half, they absolutely played Manchester United off the park in the first half, the year that they went on to win the title. T- today, they, they were dominated in so many ways. Didn't show up with enough energy. Didn't have the, the, the craft and the ingenuity they normally have. You could say they miss Kevin De Bruyne. Of course they miss Kevin De Bruyne. But they've been without Kevin De Bruyne plenty of times because of injury and still had the, the nous and, and the, the speed of play and thought that they lacked. And it was languid. It was obvious. And then Manchester United were ruthless on the counterattack. And to Robbie's mm-hmm. point, they weren't there to mitigate the threat after they couldn't find the way through. Sterling Anonymous, Phil Foden struggled out on the flank. And then in transition, they got run over. They were beat to every ball. There were gaps. There was, there was poor one-on-one defending. So the story for me is more about Manchester United were, were excellent on the day, and they deserve so much credit for how they played against Manchester United. Can I just City. quickly, very quickly address that? Like, There's no intensity. We're not going to win the league and mm-hmm. all that. They've got two competitions to, to win now. The FA Cup in the Champions League. One-off football. That's about mentality and rhythm and momentum. If you have an off day in one of those competitions, they're going to be out of it. So I don't get this like, oh, we just have, we can have an off day. You've got to be going every week winning games if and, you're Manchester City. And, and about the interview, you know, the irony is with a name like Pep to give an interview like that's pretty, it's pretty <laughs> remarkable. But it's like, cheer up. You know, I... I it's almost like he, he doesn't feel he has to do those interviews, and he's annoyed. Those weren't hard questions. You know, Shrees was doing a great job of doing what the fans deserve, which is give us something. You know, it's part of the job. You don't have to like these interviews, but you can't just you can't just engage and, and do them when you're in a good mood and your team play well. You know, there's a lot of managers that have to sit there when they lose games and at least at least show up for the interview. So that that was a bit disappointing. I love what he does with his team on the field, but every now and then he gets kind of pouty like that when I think the fans. Fans, even Manchester City fans that will love him defending his players mm. kind of want a little bit more. You can you can say, we all know, Ederson knows. Yeah. Of course he shouldn't make those mistakes. So just say, yeah, of course he shouldn't make those mistakes. N- n- next next question. And if you're down about some of the injuries they've had, which they've had a lot this year, you look mm-hmm. at United, no, no Pogba yeah. in this one, no That's Rashford, and they, and they showed up and they played. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer probably has United playing as well as they have played since he's been the permanent manager. Would you we, agree? we have got to talk about Manchester United. I, th- I thought they were excellent. Well set up, three at the back, so they dealt with Manchester City's attack. Talked about how they were going to steal the ball and, and make those runs, runs in behind. <laughs> There's a feeling that at Manchester United that, that something's starting to grow. And I always pick Anthony Martial as a great barometer of what things are doing. He looked invested in the game yesterday. He, he, he was driving forward. You see celebration when he scored. He was working hard for, for his team. There's something building. I think of the last four players who've come into that football club. Maguire, the captain, was brilliant. Wan-Bissaka kept Sterling quiet. Dan James, running in behind, was a real threat. And Bruno Fernandes is that little bit of creativity that they haven't had. And let's not forget, no Rashford, no Pogba. Right. Manchester United have got a little bit of momentum And going. that's the exciting part, is that... Um, it's as a neutral. It's been frustrating for Manchester United to spend a billion dollars and not be closer to the relevance that this football club has always been, which is challenging for titles. That felt real. That, that, that was that there was a game plan. There was execution. They're missing star players, and so then for me, it comes to. Paul Pogba, what, what do you want to do? Because this thing's coming together. McTominay didn't, didn't start the game, but McTominay instead of Matic maybe. And, and even Fred's been playing better, but Bruno and Pogba, with how good that back four are playing and how Rashford's going to be back. I mean, all these ingredients. I, Paul Pogba's got to sit there 
and say, I want to be a part of this, right? Or, or maybe he just doesn't. You would think so. Yeah. Impressive for a team that hadn't mm. won in over a month in the Premier League, yeah. hadn't even scored a goal in the last three no. games in the Premier League. It all opened up for Leicester today. Yeah, uh, mainly because Villa were the perfect opposition. Gave them three goals b- before they saw it. Didn't defend situations. Um, unfortunately for Dean Smith, and I find it harsh to say, they've got the look, the feel and the smell of a team that's getting relegated. There's players in, in that group. I could name you five players in that group. I wouldn't want near a relegation fight because they don't look like they've got the stomach. They don't look like they've got the heart. And th- there was times today where Leicester, in the end, was showboating in... in, in putting balls over the box. They're in real trouble, Aston Austin Villa. Yeah, they are. Um, and for today, I, I think, from a Leicester City perspective, they needed this win. They, they, they needed a confidence boost. They need Jamie Vardy back, Jamie Vardy back in the goals. Yeah, they, they were hitting a little bit of a rut where, you know, top four, which ultimately is their challenge at the end of the season, started to look a bit shaky, where all the, the, the magic and the momentum and the irreverence kind of went out of the team. So, listen, everything you said about Aston Villa was evident today, but you still had to beat the team in front of you. And how they did it and how they looked, I, I think is going to set them up nicely at a very important run-in to make sure that they can get a top four position. Yeah, what has Brendan Rodgers done specifically with this Leicester City club to make them look like they, they belong uh, in this I, I talked about four. the injuries. He, he kept Vardy on the bench, put him on with, with 30 minutes to go, scores with his, his first kick. That, that work, works out. He's, he's got, he's, I talked about managing the minutes, getting his team through some difficult times. The Madisons, the, the Tielemans, the Ndidis, the guys who've not really had 38 games week in, week out throughout their career. Now they're getting through that. Got two good games to come. Watford and Brighton, Leicester, mm. Leicester City. Mm. Got a real chance now, that top four spot. Yeah, and then going back, one last comment on Aston Villa. Yeah, It's going to be so hard for Dean Smith to figure out who's going to be with me down the stretch because today he saw a lot of players kind of phoning in a bit on a day where they basically said, not going to be ours. And it's, it's going to be tough because he doesn't seem to know right now how to inspire this group, how to change things to get a good run of games. I mean, listen, they're right there. they got a game in hand. It yeah. only takes a few good games to try to get them out of that spot. It's just the inspiration doesn't seem like it's game there. Game in hand is great, but a game in hand in, in Villa's situation is another loss. Do they look like a team to you, Kyle, that's primed to go down because currently in that spot ahead of them is Bournemouth, Watford, West Ham. Not like any of those teams have looked that great. Oh, yeah, I mean, I guess the, the positive for them is, is a lot of teams around them are struggling, which tends to be what happens when you're down at the bottom of the table. But other, other teams are hitting a bad form dip as well. But I, I just I, I look at what they are right now, and I think you've got to either be stingy, and he was saying be tough to beat. They're not. I mean, they've conceded four more goals than any other team in the league. Uh, or take your chances. And I just look at Jack Grealish as their leading goal scorer, and, and Wesley obviously out for, for the season. N- no one else looks a threat. Samata hasn't had a lot of opportunities, has one goal so far. So, I mean, that's a little unfair to him. But you've got to figure out one, one side. You've you got to be good at one end in order to stay up in this, in this division. This time last year... Aston Villa were 11th in the championship. Mm. They went on a great run and ended up in the playoffs and got themselves back into the Premier League. And they've been a long time out. And it's a huge football club that, when it's full, there's a great atmosphere. But I almost feel like they ain't really having a go at this. That's three massive points here today. And and I always got the sense last weekend that that League Cup was a big day for them, playing Manchester City. I didn't think the League Cup should matter that much. Of course it's a good day and you want to win it. Premier League survival has got to be key for this football club. And what I saw there today 
I'm not, I'm not very confident they can stay up. You wonder how ownership would react to it, too. A team that spent a lot of money once they got into the Premier League this season. If they go down, that could change things very, very quickly. That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC Podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN. I'm Rebecca Lowe. Bye for now. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.